This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. Our second reading comes from Revelation 21. We are picking up with verse 9. We will be reading through 17 and picking up again with verse 22. Hear the word of the Lord. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And in the spirit, he carried me away to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It has the glory of God and a radiance like a very rare jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. It has a great high wall with 12 gates, and at the gates, 12 angels. And on the gates are inscribed the names of the 12 tribes of the Israelites. On the east, three gates. On the north, three gates. On the south, three gates. And on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city has 12 foundations. And on them are the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Picking up verse 22. I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God is its light. And its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never shut by day, and there will be no night there. People will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, for nothing unclean will enter it, nor anyone who practices abomination, or falsehood, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, your Holy Spirit inspired this word. You are unchanging, and we're asking now that the Holy Spirit would illumine the word that we have heard and make it for us the reality that it is. We are completely dependent upon you. And we ask for that. In Jesus' name, amen. There are some families that have an Advent wreath in their home. There was one mother who wondered whether her children remembered from the previous year what the candles represented. So she asked, who can tell me what these 
handles an Advent meme. And her seven-year-old piped in. I remember, he said, there's love, joy, peace, peace, and immediately the younger sister interrupted. I know, peace and quiet. I don't know what kind of peace that you are looking for this Advent in this most difficult, painful year of 2020. Peace can mean different things to different people. If you're a teenager, peace might mean that there's no one telling you how to use your time or nagging or reminding parents, asking you to do things you do not want to do. If you are a working parent with children going to online school, peace might mean that everything on your to-do list is checked off, and at the end of the day, there are a few discretionary moments left. If you are an employer or an employee, peace might mean that you are not worried whether you can make the bills. Peace would mean that you are not afraid of whether the money is going to come in. If you're in a strained relationship, peace might mean that you come to a common resolution that is livable. And if you're a patient, anxiously awaiting the results of a test, peace might mean that you get good news, that it is all okay, you are going to be healthy. What is the peace that you are looking for this Advent? Is it a peace that will last? There is a difference between earth's peace and heaven's shalom. That is what we're going to look like, look at as we see our text from Isaiah 11 in Revelation 21. We're also going to look at heaven and how this is the home that we are looking for. And then we will see that heaven's peace is available now. First, there's a difference between earth's peace and heaven's shalom. Shalom is that word in Hebrew that is the meaning of peace. There is a difference in earth's peace and heaven's shalom. Earth's peace is dependent on the circumstances lining up favorably. Last week, I received a video from Jim and Carol Ferno, who live in Florida and are here in the summer. And this short YouTube video was titled, Why We Live in Florida. And I clicked on it, and there were scenes of New Englanders battling the elements 
trying to scrape ice off of the windshield and slipping on the derriere, or taking out the trash and sliding down the driveway on ice. Well, people sometimes think of heaven like they think of Florida. They think heaven will be an improvement in the weather and people will be nicer. This is not the image of heaven's peace. Shalom. Shalom is wholeness. It's complete. It has health and safety, but it's where everything is in right relationship to everything else. Shalom is permanent. Earth's peace is temporary. Shalom gives God's own presence in the midst of conflict. Earth's peace requires an absence of conflict. Shalom is for everyone. Earth's peace is only experienced by some. Many are left out. Let's look now at that effect of heaven's peace, shalom. We heard it read in Isaiah 11. Wolves lie down with lambs, leopards with young goats, and a little child plays safely in their midst. Now, where have you ever witnessed such peace? A few years ago, the Jerusalem Post ran a story on the biblical zoo in Jerusalem. In the central exhibit, there is portrayed the Messianic times. And in the enclosure is a lion, peaceful with a lamb. Visitors were amazed. They asked how what looked like a miracle was possible, and who was responsible for this. They learned that it was none other than Henry Kissinger. They asked how he did this. His answer in a trademark monotone, every day, a new lamb. Our earthly aspirations, all that we endeavor to do to secure peace from heaven's kind, fails us, no matter how hard we try. What we see in Isaiah 11 is an, an expression of transformation. Something radical has changed. There is a transformation of the very nature of the beasts and their identities. Wolves and bears eat straw next to livestock. Lions eat grass alongside of flocks. Something radical has taken place. This is a peace that God ushers in that is so complete that a crawling child is safe putting her hand over a cobra's den for there is no danger. How is such a thing possible? In Revelation 21, 15 
through 26. Part, portion I did not read. We see that there is a perfection about heaven. Everything is perfectly proportioned. There's symmetry. It's light-filled. It's life-giving. In hearing it, you might think of a Martha Stewart home, perfectly arranged and decorated with sunlight streaming through perfectly clean windows and skylights. The picture of Revelation is much grander. It shows the perfect proportion of wholeness, which represents holiness. I don't know if you were taught in years past in Sunday school about the Temple of Solomon and the Holy of Holies, the inner sanctum, where the high priest went once a year to meet with God. The Holy of Holies is the shape of a cube where everything is perfectly proportioned. The width and the length and the height are the same. In Revelation 21, we find that the symbol of heaven is a cube. And rather than a small cube, it turns out it's 12,000 stadia, like football fields. 12,000, which is that symbolic word for the 12 times 1,000. That would be, if we were measuring it in miles, 3,225,000,000 cubic miles. Heaven is perfect wholeness. It's balance. It's got harmony. It's where everything fits and nothing is out of place. And it is ravishingly beautiful. Now with those images of Isaiah 11, Revelation 21, do you want to be there? Is this what makes your heart sing? We're all looking for our heavenly home. Each of us is longing for something that we miss. Frederick Beekner writes, Like Adam, we all lost paradise. Yet we carry paradise around inside of us in the form of a longing for almost a memory of a blessedness that is no more or a dream of a blessedness that may someday be again. I believe that this feeling increases as Christmas approaches. The season has a way of sharpening our longing. It has a way of heightening our losses. There are no frequent flyer miles that can take us there because what we're homesick for is a place we have never been. We've never seen lions and lambs together, toddlers and bears playing safely, though we would like to. We've never seen a perfectly ordered place with colors that fracture light, that are radiating heaven and earth, cities and nature united in flourishing together. 
but oh, how we would like to. C.S. Lewis writes, if we find ourselves with a desire that earth cannot supply, it means that we are made for another world. A baby feels hunger. Well, there's such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there's such a thing as water. If you have in yourself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Heaven is the home we have been waiting for. Do you know with confidence that your name is written in that book of life? Revelation 27 says, the names are written in that book of life. If you wonder, I have good news for you, because heaven is written with the gospel. Revelation 21.5, the one who was seated on the throne said, see, I am making all things new. I am making all things new. God does not say, I am making all new things. That's what the world does. The world takes what's old and it disposes of it. If it's worn out, if it's no longer useful, if it's failed in any way, out it goes and in comes the new. On Christmas morning, Children look for new toys, not refurbished, repaired toys from last year. But God is not like us. Heaven is not like earth. God is making all things new. The grandmother who passed away from COVID, the wife suffering from dementia, the son who is an alcoholic, the husband who is cold and demanding. What bear or wolf is in your life? Or are you the bear and the wolf? God is making all things new. There are three images that we see in Revelation 21, this holy city coming down is Jerusalem, holy from God. Jerusalem? Now that's the city that condemned the Old Testament prophets. It's the city that had child sacrifices and pagan sorcery. Jerusalem? Aren't they the ones that rejected the Messiah? Jerusalem, well, it was overrun by the Romans and burned to the ground in 70 A.D. Jerusalem no longer existed when John received this vision. Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Here she is. God has made her pure and holy like a bride, alive to him. 
God is making all things new. Look at the second image that we have from Revelation 21. It is those gates. It says the 12 gates of the heavenly city are inscribed with the 12 tribes of Israel. These are the sons of Jacob, those flawed and faithless men. Do you know their stories? They were violent. They were brutal. They were faithless. They were cowardly. How do they qualify to have their names on every entrance into heaven? The answer, God is making all things new. Not God is making all new things. He's making them new. This, my friends, is the central story of the Bible. God justifies the ungodly. He makes us right. Romans 3, 23, 24. Who deserves God's favor? There is no distinction. Since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, they are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Grace, by definition, is undeserved. It's unearned. We come to our third image, verse 14. And the wall of the city has 12 foundations, and on them are the 12 tribe names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Think of those apostles, if you would. Three of them we can name, Peter, James, John. Okay, maybe we've got Matthew, Doubting Thomas, maybe Andrew. But what about Bartholomew and Thaddeus? Who are they? Yet heaven is built upon these obscure yet chosen disciples. Do you hear the gospel in heaven? Do you see that there's nothing so evil or unfaithful about your past? There is nothing so obscure about your present that God is not even now able to craft into an integral part of heaven that will bless everyone for all eternity. Everything is retrievable. Anyone may be included through the Lamb. Heaven completes us all. It is the home we are looking for. And it is available now. Shalom. Heaven's wholeness, the peace of God, is available now in Christ Jesus. It all depends on what you're looking for. God's future or your immediate surroundings and circumstances. You know that the quality of life today is dependent on what you see coming in the future. I think that's one of the reasons so many are miserable in this Christmas season because all they see are the circumstances around them and it looks tragic. If we hold to this gospel, which is given to us, inspired by the Spirit, 
saved for us, we can see God making all things new. And that is the shalom that we receive now, that we may know how to live now in the peace of Christ. I close with a story, a true story. It helps us remember what kind of peace we are looking for. USA Today wrote about the dangers that happen in winter with peephole drivers. You, I'm sure, can understand. You're in a hurry, you go out in the morning, and there is a layer of snow and ice on your car. You start the car, heat up the, heat, the engine, and put the defroster on and start chipping away, and it takes a long time to get just the size of a pepperoni pizza. And then you realize this is going to take far too long. You move back to the back, the back of the car, and start chipping away to the size of a small, let's say, sausage pizza. And then the time is up. You need to go. It'll do. So you get in the car and drive off, and then it hits you. You can hardly see. The Department of Motor Vehicles warns, peephole driving is an invitation to the disaster. So I ask you, is your peace peephole driving? Or are you living with a full vision of the future, which gives access to heaven's peace now, planted in your heart? Which, which peace are you looking for this Advent? Let's pray. Jesus, you say, ask and we will receive. So we ask for shalom. We need it. We make our prayer in your holy name, trusting that you will give it. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church, or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.